Well, once again, it's good to have everybody here this late afternoon. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 31. Last week we discovered that there did indeed exist one ten percent or one tithe, and that is that there was a ten percent which was modified upon Israel's entrance into the land of Canaan. The modifications existed in two ways. To briefly recap, number one is while in the wilderness the Levites received all the tithes. And then we know that the Levites in general, according to the Bible, gave a tithe of the tithe to the high priest, Aaron at the time, or Eleazar his son after Aaron died, and then a direct descendant from Aaron as the years progressed under the Levitical and Aaronic priesthood. Upon the entrance into the land, the tithe was to be brought to Jerusalem every year, specifically at the Feast of Tabernacles. It could be partaken by yourself as well as the Levite that was among thee. We read several passages that said, Do not forsake the Levite. In the third year, the tithe was kept in the gates of the people, and the Levite that dwelt among them, and the stranger, the widow, and the fatherless that was within their gates came and ate of the tithe. It wasn't a year that you yourself partook of the tithe. You know, something that we've learned so far in these messages, and some people may have not caught this yet, and you may have caught it, I don't know, but we've learned that the tithe, which was commanded by Yahweh for Israel to give to the Levitical or Aaronic priesthood, was always on either produce or livestock. You know, there's not one place in the entire Bible that we are commanded to tithe on silver or gold, or money, or wages earned, or a catch of fish, etc., etc. Not one place will you find that in the Bible. For instance, Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 5. Let's look at a few passages here tonight. Second Chronicles 31, verse 5. The Bible says, And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in the abundance of the first fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and all of the increase of the field, and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. Concerning the children of Israel and Judah that dwelt in the cities of Judah, they also brought in the tithe of the oxen, the sheep, and the tithe of the holy things which were consecrated unto Yahweh their Elohim, and laid them by heaps. In the third month they began to pile up the heaps and finish them in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the princes came and saw the heaps, they blessed Yahweh and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned with the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of Yahweh, we have had enough to eat and have left plenty. For Yahweh hath blessed his people, and that which is left is this great store. Then Hezekiah commanded to prepare chambers in the house of Yahweh, and they prepared them, verse 12, and brought in the offerings and the tithes, and the dedicated things faithfully, over which Conaniah the Levite was ruler, and Shemiah his brother was the next. But we find here that grain, wine, oil, oxen, sheep, and holy things are mentioned. And in verse 10, we see that everything mentioned was heaped in the piles and was edible because they said that since it's begun to be heaped, we've got plenty to eat. And you know what? There's plenty left over, speaking of to eat. So the tithes and the firstlings and the dedicated things were here edible, just like in Leviticus 27, where Yahweh commanded it. Turning now to Nehemiah chapter 10, 
verse 35. Nehemiah 10:35. This is the vows of the children of Israel, and I ask you to read the whole chapter in your study time. Verse 35, it says that they were going to vow to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruit of all the trees year by year unto the house of Yahweh. Also the firstborn of our sons and our cattle, as it is written in the law, and the firstlings of our herds and our flocks to bring to the house of our Elohim unto the priests that minister in the house of our Elohim, and that we should bring the first fruits of our dough and our offerings and the fruit of all manner of trees, of wine and of oil unto the priests, to the chambers of the house of our Elohim, and the tithes of our ground unto the Levites, that the same Levites might have the tithes in all the cities of our tillage. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites take tithes. And the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes into the house of our Elohim, to the chambers, into the treasure house. Now this is very clearly a tithe of that which Yahweh commanded in Leviticus 27, 30 through 33. That's where the first commanded instance of tithes is found in the Bible. And you'll see that this is an obedience to that command of Yahweh. Take note once again that it does mention the tenth of the tithe given to Aaron. Turning over to Nehemiah 13, verse 5. It says, And he had prepared for him a great chamber, where aforetime they laid the meal offerings, the frankincense, and the vessels, and the tithes of the corn, the new wine, and the oil, which was commanded to be given to the Levites, and the singers, and the porters, and the offerings of the priests. Once again, this very clearly shows that produce was given, which was what? was commanded. Turn it over into the first book of what's commonly called the New Testament, the book of Matthew, which is actually an Old Testament book, not a New Testament book. The Testament only began at the bloodshed of the Messiah, according to Hebrews nine, fifteen through seventeen. So Matthew is actually an Old Testament book. Matthew chapter twenty three, verse twenty three. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites for ye pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guys which strain to the gnat and swallow a camel. It definitely wasn't, wasn't wrong with them paying tithes. It was just that they were leaving the weightier matters undone. And he said you should do these weightier matters while also doing the, you know, the non-weightier matters. But we see very clearly here that the tithes that they tied real small amounts on was produce. Messiah didn't say you pay tithe of every little denarius or every little piece of silver. No, he said you pay tithe of every mint, anise, and cumin, which was all produce, all edible things. Now someone may point out Luke 18. Let's turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18 verse 9. Someone may point out this, and rightfully so. Upon first glance, it may look like it's a point, but it's not at all when we dissect it. Luke 18, verse 9, the Bible says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, Elohim, I thank thee that I am not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Someone may say, well, here the Pharisee says that he gave tithes of all that he possessed. 
Well, if you read your Bible you, and, and you come to church here, you should by now know that the word all is definitely not to be taken all-inclusive all the time. For instance, you know, the Bible says that Yahweh giveth us richly all things to enjoy. But we know that He doesn't give us all things all-inclusive. We don't, we're not, he doesn't give us sin to enjoy. He doesn't give us adultery to enjoy. But the Bible does say that He richly giveth us all things to enjoy. The Bible said that we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. All things. Now, do you think you can create an earth and a heaven? Do you think you can, uh, at the snap of your fingers, cause a donkey to speak? No, that's not what that's speaking of. Romans 14 talks about one man that eats all things. Does he eat pork? No. All things is all clean things in that context in Romans 14. So when the when the Pharisee here says that he gives tithes of all he possesses, most likely what I lean to is that he's speaking of all in the context of what the law of Yahweh has prescribed. Or you could say this, that the Pharisee was simply adding to the law. If he was paying tithes on more than what Yahweh prescribed, for instance, he was fasting twice a week. There's nothing in Yahweh's law that says that you have to fast twice a week. There's nothing in Yahweh's law that says you have to pay tithes on money or wages either. So he could have been doing both but didn't make them commandments. But I think that all things, is speaking of all things, that's written in the law is what I think that passage is saying. But somebody says, but what about Malachi? Malachi 3. Let's turn to Malachi chapter 3. You know, I actually heard a person say one time that they knew a preacher who tried to make Malachi the first book in the New Testament. And I almost couldn't believe it, but the man assured me, and I don't really have documentation, but the man assured me that this preacher tried to put Malachi as the first book in the New Testament because he wanted to get them tithes over there in the New Testament so bad. Malachi 3, verse 7. Probably one of the most famous passages in the Bible on tithes and offerings, but have we really dissected what the passage is saying? Malachi 3, verse 7 says, Even from the days of your fathers ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith Yahweh of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? So they forsaken the ordinance of Yahweh, and they're asking him, How are we going to return? What does Yahweh say? Will a man rob the Almighty, or Elohim? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? So they definitely had robbed Yahweh, correct? He said in tithes and in offerings. They had robbed Yahweh in tithes and in offerings. Now let's dissect this a little bit. Verse 7, Yahweh says they'd gone away from his ordinances and they asked how. Verse 8, the nation of Israel, or the Bible says that they had robbed Yahweh in tithes or tenths and in offerings, meaning firstlings of the flock, free will, blood sacrifices, things like this. And this passage is commentated on in the book of Nehemiah. Now I want you to turn back to Nehemiah because, see, the Bible is its own best commentary. A lot of times when you can't completely understand what's going on in the passage, you could go to another passage or a parallel passage and it will commentate for you on what the first passage is saying. And this is exactly what happens in Malachi. Let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 10. No, excuse me, Nehemiah chapter 13. Now, the King James Version study Bible that I have states on page 1375 the following. It says this, quote, 
Malachi must have been written after Nehemiah's first arrival in Jerusalem in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes Longeminus in 444 B.C., probably after the walls had been rebuilt around the city. For Malachi addresses the same sins noted in Nehemiah, end quote. And if you look up any chronological pages in the Bible dictionary or, or uh, if you go check out the chronology in, in um, scholarly works, Bible dictionaries, Bible encyclopedias, they'll tell you that Nehemiah, or Malachi was prophesying right at the time of Nehemiah. And his prophecies were directed against those people that had come out of Babylonian captivity. He was trying to get things in order. That's what was happening. Nehemiah 13, verse 10. Verse 10 says, And I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them. For the Levites and the singers, and you can look up the singers, the singers were Levites. They were another group. but They were Levites and they sang. They led Israel in song. The Levites and the singers that did the work were fled everyone to his field. Now that's not a good thing, is it? Because they were to be upkept by the what? By the tithe. But it said that their portions has not been given them. Verse 11. Then contended I with the rulers and said, Why is the house of Elohim forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then, after Nehemiah tells them this, verse 12, Then brought all Judah, which Judah was those that came back from the Babylonian captivity, correct? Only Judah went into the Babylonian captivity. So only Judah came out of the Babylonian captivity. It was not all Israel here. They brought the tithe of the, of the corn of the grain and the new wine and the oil unto the treasuries. And I made treasurers over the treasuries, Shelemiah the priest, and Zadok the scribe, and of the Levites, Padiah. And next to them was Hanan, the son of Zakur, the son of Matanya. For they were counted faithful, and their office was to distribute unto their brethren. Now this goes back to what Brother Arnold was saying about the distribution made by those that were overseeing of the treasury. And those tithes went in to the treasury under the Old Covenant. Verse 14. Remember me, O my Elohim, concerning this, and wipe not out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my Elohim and the offices thereof. So Nehemiah has kind of straightened things out here on the tithe. Judah was not bringing the tithe. Well, they'd been in captivity, so they had a little grace there. And he says, look, the Levites are fleeing to their own work. The singers are fleeing to their own field. The house of Elohim is being neglected. Bring the tithe in. What did they bring? The tithe of the grain, the new wine, and the oil just like Yahweh had commanded in the law. Now this, turning back to Malachi, Nehemiah commentates on the Malachi passage, seeing that Malachi was prophesying right there at the time of Nehemiah. And so when Malachi is saying, will a man rob Elohim, wherever you rob in tithes and offerings, he's speaking to those that had not brought the tithes into the treasuries in Nehemiah 13 of the Judahites. Now let's look at Malachi 3, verse 9. It says, Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now according to what Nehemiah tells us, it was the house of Judah who had robbed Yahweh by not bringing the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse, which the Hebrew word is simply treasury, so that the Levites would have food to eat. You say, well, food to eat, Brother Matthew? That's exactly what I said. That's exactly what I mean. And that's exactly what the next verse says, verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. 
Look up the word meat. It means food. That there may be food in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith Yahweh of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing of sufficiency. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. What was Yahweh speaking of when He said, You bring the tithes into my storehouse, and I'm going to open the windows of heaven, and I'm going to pour out sufficient for you. They were not bringing the food or the meat into the treasury. But Yahweh said once they began to do this, the windows of heaven would be opened. What is this in reference to? Genesis 7, verse 11. The Bible says in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. What is that talking about? That's talking about rain started. The windows of heaven were opened. What did Malachi say? Yahweh said, I'm going to open the windows of heaven for you. Look at Genesis 8, verse 2. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped. What does that mean? And the rain from heaven was restrained. So when the windows of heaven were stopped, the rain stopped. When the windows of heaven were opened, the rain came. And so when Yahweh said, I'm going to open the windows of heaven for you if you bring me the food, it was in direct reference to their crops. They were not bringing the crops, and thus Yahweh was closing the windows of heaven. But if they began to do with their crops what Yahweh had commanded, He would then open the windows of heaven, let the rain come down, and allow the crops to produce in abundant fashion all the much more. Isn't that exciting? That's the promise that Yahweh was giving to the nation of Israel. Now let's turn back to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. What's he talking about? I'm going to rebuke the devourer, that that comes in and destroys the crops, the pestilence, the bugs. What do we hate if we plant gardens nowadays? The devourer. That is, these little beetles that come in and eat up your squash leaves and things like that. But Yahweh says, look, you do this. You bring the crops, the tents, like I've told you. I want to rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine, what's he talking about now? Cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith Yahweh of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith Yahweh of hosts. You know, I don't think it could be any plainer. All nations will say that Israel is blessed because of their great land that's bringing forth many precious fruits because they're bringing the tenth of the fruits into the storehouse and Yahweh opens the windows of heaven. Let the Bible interpret the Bible. He causes the rain to come down that, it might, that the field might produce more fruits. Amen? You know, if tithing was only on produce or livestock, which it was according to the Bible, were there ever any monetary gifts given? Well, hopefully by now you would say, absolutely, there were monetary gifts given. I think we've proven that all through the Bible. You know, keep in mind that in parts 1 and 2 of this series, we covered the issue of giving to the ministry. Passages such as Matthew 10.10, 10, Luke 10.7, 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Timothy 5.17-18 teach that ministers of the gospel can be kept up by the material things of the brethren. We also saw that widows, which were widows indeed, should be kept up by the material things of the brethren. But where 
does the Bible say that this is a tithe? It doesn't say that it's a tithe. Now, it's similar to the tithe in that it is for the upkeep of certain individuals or persons, but there is never specified a specific percentage in Scripture. And thus, we have no business adding to the Scripture in this respect. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 35. You know, the tabernacle, after the exit from the land of Egypt, the tabernacle was built by free will offerings of things other than produce and livestock. So Yahweh doesn't have a problem. If He wants somebody's money, which in that time was silver, Yahweh doesn't have a problem or a speech impediment that He cannot command that to be given. No, it's just that man's ways, man's traditions and laws have commanded that a tithe is to be paid on money or wages earned. Yahweh could have said that very easily, but He chose not to. And thus we have no business believing that or teaching that. Exodus 35, verse 4. The Bible says, And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which Yahweh commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto Yahweh, whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. An offering of Yahweh, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skin dyed red and badger skin and shaitim wood and oil for the light and spices for anointing oil and for the sweet incense and onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate. And every wise-hearted among you shall come and make all that Yahweh hath commanded. The tabernacle, his tent, his covering, his tatches and his boards, his bars, his pillars and his sockets, the ark and the staves thereof with the mercy seat and the veil of the covering, the table and his staves and all his vessels and the showbread. And we could go on and on and on. Look down at verse 21. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whom his spirit made willing. Now does, does Yahweh tell them to bring... 10% of the silver or 10% of the ram skin dyed red? Does He tell them to bring 10% of their own stones that they've got at their house? No, Yahweh doesn't say that. Yahweh says, whosoever is of a willing heart, just as First Corinthians or Second Corinthians 9 says, not grudgingly or of necessity, or Yahweh loves a cheerful giver. We're not talking about tithes here in Exodus 35. We're talking about offerings here in Exodus 35. Verse 21, let's continue. Everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought Yahweh's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his service, and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, and as many as were willing-hearted, and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold, and every man that offered an offering of gold unto Yahweh, and every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair, and red skins of rams and badger skins brought them. Everyone that did offer an offering of silver, silver, that was money then, offering of silver and brass brought Yahweh's offering. And every man with whom was found, shite and wood, for any work of the service, brought it. And it goes on and on and on. We could go on and on and on. Exodus chapter 30. Let's turn back a few pages of Scripture. Exodus chapter 30, verse 11. Once again shows that when Yahweh requires money to be given, He's not bashful. He comes right out and tells you if he wants money, just like he does in Exodus 30, 11. And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto Yahweh. When thou numberest them, that there be no plague among them when thou numberest them. This they shall give every one that passeth among them that are numbered half a shekel 
After the shekel of the sanctuary, a shekel is twenty geras. And half shekel shall be the offering of Yahweh. Everyone that passeth among them that are numbered from twenty years old and above shall give an offering unto Yahweh. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. When they give an offering unto Yahweh to make an atonement for your souls. And thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle. Brother Matthew, how did the tabernacle get serviced if the tithes were not on money? By the half shekel. From 20 years old and upward, given. You know how many Israelites there were? The book of Exodus chapter 12 tells us there were 600,000 men that came out of Egypt on foot, besides women and children. Half shekel. Then it says that it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before Yahweh to make an atonement for your souls. Exodus 30, 11 through 16 shows that when Yahweh requires a gift of money, He'll come right out and just say it to us. He doesn't beat around the bush. It was to make an atonement for their souls and was to be used for the service of the tabernacle. Just because a non-farmer was not required to tithe did not mean they did not have to support the temple or the tabernacle with the half shekel or with the free will offerings and gifts of silver, gold, and what have you. Someone obviously is going to say, but most everyone were farmers then, Brother Matthew. You know, they didn't have money like we do. Well, is that so? They didn't have money like we do. You know, that objection would stem from someone that has not studied the Bible. They had money probably more than we do in the Bible. Genesis 13 and 2 says that Abraham was rich in silver and in gold. Now, the word silver in the Hebrew is the word keseth. It is translated in the King James Version of the Bible as money 123 times in the Old Testament. It just so happens here that it's translated silver. But if we did like the other 123 times, we could say that Abraham was rich in money and in gold. See, Abraham was rich in money. You can't tell me they didn't have money back then. Genesis 42. Let's turn to Genesis 42, verse 25. Genesis 42, verse 25. We're going to go through... No, we're just going to read verse 25. The Bible says, Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with grain. Who's this? This is his brothers that don't know who he is yet. He commands to fill their sacks with grain and to restore every man's money into his sack and to give them provision for the way. And thus did he unto them. They fill their sacks with grain, that's produce, and to give every man his money. Cassette, that's silver. That's what they use for means of exchange in Bible times. Exodus 21, verse 20. And if a man strike his servant or his maid with a rod, and he die under his hand, he shall surely be punished. Notwithstanding, if he continue a day or two, he shall not be punished, for he is his money. That means the servant received wages. The Bible talks about wages of a hired servant. Never does it say that those had to be tithed upon. Leviticus chapter 27, verses 9 through 15. You know, we read this passage, I believe, in part 1. No, 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 excuse me, maybe in part 5 or 6. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 27 because this is a very interesting point here. Leviticus 27, verse 9 through 15. The Bible says, on the offerings here, it says, And if it be a beast whereof men bring an offering unto Yahweh, all that any man giveth of such unto Yahweh shall be holy. 
He shall not alter it nor change it, a good for a bad or a bad for a good. And if he shall at all change beast for beast, then it and the exchange thereof shall be holy. And if it be an unclean beast, this is what I want you to hear. If it be an unclean beast of which they do not offer a sacrifice unto Yahweh, then he shall present the beast before the priest. Why? The priest is not going to offer up an unclean beast. So Yahweh's going to tell you what to do with it if you present that as an offering. And the priest shall value it, whether it be good or bad. As thou valuest it, who art the priest, so shall it be. So the unclean animal was brought to the priest, and what did the priest do? He valued that unclean animal. What does the Bible say about the tithe? Look at verse 31. And if a man will at all redeem any of his tithe, he shall add thereunto the fifth part thereof. You know the Bible over here in the offerings talks about the fifth part thereof. We talked about it in an earlier message. So when the man brought the tithe, if he wanted to redeem his tithe, which you could redeem the tithe of your produce, you could not redeem the tithe of the livestock. You could redeem an unclean animal or an offering of a livestock, but you could not redeem the tithe of a livestock. Why? Is there a difference? I don't really know. That's Yahweh's business. It's just Oh, yeah, I remember that. Wouldn't have no offerings if they always bought them back. That's a good point. Now, what would the priest do to the tithe if you wanted to redeem it? He would value the tithe. You don't put a value on money. The money's already got a value. If you give him $100, you don't have to put a value on $100. It is $100. But if you give him 10 baskets of grain, you've got to put a value on that in order for it to be redeemed by adding the fifth part, showing once again that tithes was definitely not on money or wages earned. Deuteronomy 14, turning, keep, keeping this going, to Deuteronomy 14, verse 25. Deuteronomy 14, verse 25, and speaking of the modification of the tithe when they came into Jerusalem, talking about how far Jerusalem would be. And if anyone recalls the map that we put up here last week, showing that if you lived up in Naphtali or Zebulun, you'd have an awful long way to go down to Jerusalem. It was in the southern part of the territories of Israel. But it says about the tithe, Let's look at verse 24. And if the way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from thee, which Yahweh thy Elohim shall choose to set his name there, when Yahweh thy Elohim hath blessed thee. What's he talking about here, carrying the tithe? If you read up, up above like we did last week. Then shalt thou turn it into money, and bind up the money in thine hand, and shalt go into the place which Yahweh thy Elohim shall choose. And we know that when you get there, you buy back pretty much your tithe. Edible things. So see, the tithe was not money, or he couldn't have turned it into money. But Yahweh said if it's too far, you turn the tithe into money and go, go to the feast and then buy pretty much buy back your tithe, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. Deuteronomy chapter 23. This is the last one we'll look at in context here. Deuteronomy 23, verse 19. The Bible says, Thou shalt not lend upon usury to thy brother, usury of money, usury of victuals, Usury of anything that is lent upon usury. Once again showing that they had money just like us. And once again showing that it mentions money and then victuals. What's victuals? Food. Prepare your victuals, Joshua said in chapter 1 of his book. Victuals and money differentiated here. Deuteronomy twenty-three nineteen. You can't lend to your brother usury of your money. And you can't lend to your brother usury of your food either. According to Deuteronomy twenty-three nineteen. So it's really just avoiding the issue and the plain scriptures in the Bible to say 
that the reason Yahweh didn't mention money and tithing commands is because they were farmers. That's avoiding the issue. They had money, but they were not commanded to tithe on it. I think it's abundantly plain. You know, as a matter of fact, Nehemiah 10, to be the last passage we turn to tonight, let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 10. It shows the contrast between the Israelites vowing to give money and then vowing to give the first fruits and the tithes. And this is so plain that even a wayfaring man cannot err therein. Nehemiah 10, 32. Now, once again, they have came out of Babylonian captivity. We're going to begin reading at verse 31. And they were vowing that they would go back and, and restore the true worship of Yahweh. Nehemiah 10, 31. And if the people of the land bring wear or any victuals on the Sabbath day to sell, that we would not buy it of them on the Sabbath or on the holy day, and that we would leave the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. Also, we made ordinances for us to charge ourselves yearly with the third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our Elohim. They made ordinance for them to charge themselves what? The third part of a shekel. Holman Christian Standard Bible says, I think, an eighth of an ounce of silver every year. Kind of putting it in better terms where we can understand. So first, in verse 32, they vowed to pay a third part of a shekel for the service of the sanctuary, for the upkeep of the tabernacle. But as we read in the very beginning of this message, in verse 35, they vowed to bring the first fruits. And in verse 37, they vowed to bring the tithes of the ground. And so they vowed to bring the silver or the money, Kaseth. Then they vowed to bring, on the other hand, the first fruits and the tithes. Biblical tithing, brethren and sisters, is not on money or wages earned at all. It's not. Now, I did not say that a gift or an offering could not be on money. I did not say that upkeep of tabernacle couldn't be on money. I did not say that we shouldn't give to the ministry. I did not say that we shouldn't give to the widows and to the fatherless and the orphans. But what I did say is that biblical tithing is not on money. And as Billy Sunday, a preacher, once said, I don't care if it hairlips the devil and hell freezes over. I'm going to preach the truth. Not for fear or favor of any man. And so therefore, pastors today that demand 10% of somebody's wages every week, which you will not ever find in the Bible, are not right. That's not Bible. That's not true teaching. If the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. They have just as much ability to study the Bible and find this out for themselves as Matthew Jensen does. They have two eyes and I have two eyes. They have two ears and I have two ears. Matthew... How come, how come you come up with something like this? And, and you know, I've never, I've, I may have never heard this before. I don't know. I don't know. It's not me. I don't come up with, with stuff. I read my Bible and believe what it says. It doesn't bother me if it says anything. I believe what the Bible says. I don't care to follow traditions of man. I don't care to follow rudiments of the world. I don't care to tickle ears of people. And Yahweh demands out of me to teach the Word, not to teach tradition. And to teach the Word demands that I teach that there is no demand on people, even under the Old Covenant, to pay tithes on money or wages earned. That they would give money and silver, but they were never commanded to tithe on it. It's not required. What about the increase, Brother Matthew? The Bible says that you're to tithe on your increase. Look up the passages... 
I challenge you to look up the passages that mention the word increase. Every one of them will show that it was on the increase, if you just keep reading, of the field, of the land. As a matter of fact, if you look up the word increase in the Hebrew language, the word increase is actually not a proper translation in the King James Bible. The New American Standard Bible, New Revised Standard Version, Young's Literal Translation, translate that Hebrew word as produce. 8393. Appreciate that. They translate that word as produce. Look it up. That's what it means. It's the increase of the field. Brother Matthew, if you teach that tithing is not commanded on money, you know that you're going to cause people not to give. You know what? That's not true. Brother Arnold once made an excellent point. Just because you teach that divorce is allowed doesn't mean everyone's going to go ahead and get a divorce. We teach the Word instant in season and out of season. Here, hopefully, we feel that way. I know Brother Arnold does, and I do. Whether it's popular or not, those that were faithful in giving tithes will be faithful in giving offerings out of a free will. Those that were not faithful in giving tithes most likely will not be faithful and giving offerings out of a free will. And I don't say that to degrade anybody. But I say it because I believe that it's true. Now you can change your ways. Under the New Testament, giving was to be done, but never are the New Testament saints said to be under obligation to tithe to New Covenant ministers. Ministers are not to receive 10% of every person in the assembly's wages. Ministers are rather to be kept up of their necessities, not of their wants, of their needs, not of their desires. So the question arises, are we willing to believe what the Bible says instead of tradition? I ask you to find me one book, chapter, or verse anywhere in the entirety of the Bible that commands, one, that biblical tithing was on wages or money, two, that that tithing was to be done every week, and three, something we'll get into next week, that tithing was to be done to a non-Levite. Next week, we will conclude this series of messages because I don't want to leave any stone unturned. We're going to look at one, we're going to look at Abraham's tithe in Genesis 14. Two, we're going to look at Jacob's tithe in the book of Genesis. And number three, we're going to look at the relationship between the Levitical priesthood and the tithing law in Hebrews chapter 7. Praise Yahweh. Let's all stand and close in prayer.